0: Welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am in the Plough Pub in East Dulwich, uh, basically at the end of my road, uh, for my second election special. By my side is the hey now Hank Kingsley to my egomaniac Larry Sanders. It's Birmingham Mayo political editor John Walker. Hello, Hello again. And I'm delighted, uh, I've written down here, delighted to be joined by a pair of pundits, but I've only got one pundit so far. The other one will turn up somewhere uh, halfway through this podcast, I believe. It's uh, Here now is New Statesman digital news editor, Julia Rampton. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome back. It feels we're in a pub, but it's a rainy Wednesday night. It feels like the middle of the campaign, partly because the manifestos are out now, so it kind of changes gear. We had Labour yesterday, we've had Lib Dems today. It's the question everyone's asking. Everyone is asking.
1: Uh, do manifestos matter? Yeah, I think they matter. I mean, I think it's given Labour candidates something to talk about on the doorstep. Something to talk about apart from Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. And I think they feel that the uh, policies on the Labour manifesto are going to be popular. And I think the Labour candidates are feeling a bit more upbeat. they don't think they're going to win, but they're feeling a bit happier. A bit more upbeat. Really? Yeah. What, they... what, where are you getting that from? Well, this, this is what a lot of them have, uh, have told me, and this is the impression I get from talking to them, because I can say, look at this, what a lot of them are saying to people is, look at the manifesto, don't look at Jeremy Corbyn, I mean, literally, saying, don't, don't be, look at a leader, look at the manifesto, we do have some good plans, you can vote for this, we're going to make your lives better, things like improving trains, improving the buses, and uh, doing something about the energy companies, ripping us all off.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll mention Jeremy Corbyn uh, very shortly. Uh, Julia, you've read the Labour Manifesto.
1: I have indeed, yeah. What,
0: what's your favourite bit?
2: Actually, I think my favourite bit was the sheet that came alongside it, which was how they were going to raise the money. Yeah. And I thought um, it made sense in theory, but having been a financial journalist, some of their plans to raise a lot of money through um, you know, cutting down on tax avoidance seemed worth further scrutiny because I it used to be, as a financial journalist, sitting in these seminars where people said very happily, well, you know, there's so many ways to get around the tax rules, like buying a cemetery plot in Sweden, you're an expat. Yeah,
0: I think you're... I mean, all parties say we'll cut their attacks tax that's That's just, I, I mean, the number of times George Osborne got up at the budget and said this and it didn't really mean anything. But I've noticed this, that the right-wing think tanks have said, well, this is nonsense because although... Corbyn says he will raise lots of money by taxing the rich, the rich will get round it. Do the rich really live like that? Do they really hate paying taxes that much? They've got loads of money anyway.
2: I think, if you think about it, doesn't everyone who can put something against tax find a way to do it? And isn't that instinct just the same in people who are extremely wealthy and can employ people to do that exact thing for them? But I wonder how much I mean, I saw
0: some figure that it was going to cost people who earned over, you know, 125 150 grand. It was going to cost them £6,000 a year or something like this. That's not that much if you're earning 100 Is it really worth buying a plot in a Swedish cemetery just to get out and pay in a few thousand
2: pounds? I think one of the things in the Labour Manifesto that could open a bigger debate is things like free school meals for all kids, that kind of universal benefit. And it seems very inefficient, but actually there is an argument that by having universal benefits the only way to get very rich people to believe that they are part of the system. So, for example, the people I used to meet as a financial journalist... They would have private health care, they would send their kids to private school. They didn't actually see themselves as benefiting from the state, when I would argue they did because they had access to law, they had access yeah. to roads and trains, yeah. but I think the perception of someone who avoids taxes, well I don't take anything out of the system anyway, which is ludicrous, but I, th- yeah. I think that's how they justify how it. How do they
0: get to be so rich if they're so stupid? How does
2: that even work? How can they think
0: these things? and get to be so successful and well, I don't a, when a, I have better thoughts I think because there's an
2: entire industry built around it and there are people who yeah, yeah. you know give you beautiful cups of tea and coffee and tell you how wonderful you are <laughs> while explaining how they could not pay yeah, their fair yeah. share tax um, efficiency
0: we are in Southwark of course where free school meals were uh, and are uh, pioneers why children benefit from free school meals in primary school for now. <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to last before the council realizes it's costing a fortune. The, just sticking with the Labour Party, John, they had quite a good day on Sunday, Emily Thornbury took down Michael Fallon. Yes. So it was all going quite well. And then on Monday, they hired a communist. <laughs> right? <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Not, I mean, I'm nothing against communists per se, but this one seems to be quite a bad, you know, like, a bad communist in the sense that he's fully paid up to all the bad things about communism.
1: Well, none of the normal rules apply to Labour at the moment. And any other What, like trying to win? Like trying to win. Any, any previous Labour leader or the leader of any other party would have resigned long ago. But Labour at the moment, they make these mistakes. They make foolish decisions. And you'd expect it to be seen as a disaster by the party. But it's not. The, the leadership just shrug it off. They don't, either don't understand what they've done wrong or they don't care. And the other MPs, the sort of Blairites, the Moderates, whatever you want to call them, are so determined not to get the blame yeah. for Labour losing the election yeah. that they're staying silent. They're just staying in their constituencies, campaigning as best they can, and not wanting to talk about the leadership and what it's doing. So, this stuff, and I mean, another thing. Jeremy Corbyn said last week they're keeping themselves themselves like murderers. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn keeps on quoting, what, first of all, in a speech um, and today in a tweet, um, a quote from uh, Nye Bevin. The uh, founder of the uh, NHA, the former Labour health minister, generally seen as legend, responsible, absolutely. yeah, twentieth-century politics. It's not something that Ibevin actually said. It was invented yeah. by a playwright. Now, normally that would be seen as embarrassing, but he, he did it earlier in the week. It was pointed out, journalists pointed out that what he claimed Naipaulian said was actually just invented by somebody who's part of a play, and then he did it again today. Yeah. So he he just doesn't uh. care, but it's not embarrassing well I mean it should be embarrassing but in a way we're so used to Labour being useless at the moment that we, people just ignore this stuff it's just water the the back well I mean
0: as Matt said last week uh,
1: and people have since picked up that analysis that he is touring uh, safe seats to build up enough support so he can stay on after the election i tell you sorry, something sorry yeah. to interrupt i tell you who is um, touring um, marginal seats is it Tom Watson no Oh, um, Yvette Cooper Oh, yeah. um, in the West Midlands, uh, Birmingham, Erdington, Dudley North, a long way from Hersey, which is, um, is it Pontefract in, in Yorkshire?
0: and Pontefract, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah. like,
1: nowhere near no Hersey. But she's out touring. She's out uh, showing willing and um, doing her best winner selection for Labour. Right, call it, Julia, bring your analysis. Is Corbyn
0: going to stay or is Yvette going to beat him? What's going to happen here then? Because they're going to lose the election, right? we know that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think Corbyn himself actually probably would stand down. I think there's certain people within he didn't the, even want to be leader in the first yeah, place. and I believe that he actually considered resigning last summer. Okay. And um, there's this... Uh, but I think there's a view within the, the, that section of the party that this is their only shot, and they've got to work with it as best they can. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are attempts to cling on. I can't see it happening for long because i think even people who support jeremy corbyn now the reality of a general election has got well i say now has got to somehow bring yeah. home the fact that this is not working
0: len mccluskey's union which is unite yes obviously you're all behind him but unison of course yeah. which is now people are saying is bigger than unite on some yeah. metrics i don't know what, how, what metrics you just count up the number of people they've got surely today tweeted saying look Success is
2: winning the election. And I think there's the, interesting, right? there is also the fact that, yeah, Len McCluskey's idea of success was 200 know,
0: seats. Yeah. yeah.
2: But even so, I when mean, that I, I've been be looking into Jeremy
0: <laughs> Corbyn in That's good.
2: I've been looking for uh, Labour's funding for this election and yeah. you know the fact that some local candidates have to rely on trade union support. Yeah. So actually, as you say, trade unions have a huge role to play behind the scenes. And I'm not sure Len McCluskey is that emotionally attached to Jeremy Corbyn. I think yeah. there are certain concessions that he wants, but I mean, he's not.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, he's not. He always always
2: wants Labour in power. I mean, this is
0: the bizarre thing. He doesn't seem to care about whether Labour are in
2: power. I think also a lot of people within the Corbyn camp would argue that Labour has already moved quite far. So if you think about it, there was um, we moved to a position that Labour is almost entirely known as an anti austerity party, and that wasn't the case as, yeah. You know in 2015. Yes.
1: Yeah the um, the
2: trade union stuff the the workers' rights list and manifesto yeah. was quite I thought quite impressive in some ways and maybe going back to the seventies there's is.
0: lots of good stuff in that manifesto
2: I mean not, that's the thing
0: but as people keep saying you know you might like what's on the menu but if you don't like look at the restaurant then you're not going to yeah. go in
2: and, and I think there was a good piece by um, Greg I think it was Greg Rosen who's a historian on our website about this actually looks a lot like the 97 manifesto but the thing is that no one believes that Jeremy Corbyn is Tony Blair
0: okay yeah that's Mm. interesting let's move on to the next manifesto because the Lib Dems have launched their manifesto in a trendy East London club is that right somewhere in East London is that right Um, I wasn't there I'm afraid so uh, I don't know I've seen pictures they were making Quentin Letts of the Daily Mail listen to the Stone Roses which frankly by my way I'd happily put him in a room and make him listen to the Stone Roses over and over again oh, happy writes to all sorts of poisonous things. But Lib Dems, yes, last week, John, we discussed how Tim Farron had fallen down the toilet. Mm. Um, this week, wait for it, Lib Dems campaign has gone down the toilet, hasn't it? What's gone has wrong? It? Yeah, the Lib Dems have just not achieved lift off at all, have they? It's, well, it's, no, they haven't. they are going nowhere.
1: Everyone is now broadly saying they're going to lose seats from their mighty total of nine. I think the interesting thing about a manifesto, <laughs> is people always say, well, The Lib Dems may have interesting ideas, but they're not going to have any chance to put them into practice. But what the Lib Dems in the past have often said is, look, there might be a hung parliament. And if there's a hung parliament, then we could maybe be in power in some sort of coalition. This time around, Tim Farron is saying very explicitly in the the introduction which he wrote to the manifesto, Theresa May is going to win this election. Yeah, and we will definitely not form a coalition with anybody even if we get the chance. That's the Lib Dem policy this time around. So they've launched a whole manifesto and said in advance that even if they got the chance to put some of their ideas into practice, they're not going to do it. But I do think there's something... What's the point of a manifesto then? They they think it's... What he's saying is that he wants people to make him the leader of the opposition.
0: Yeah, and as I said last week... You know, at the start of the campaign, I was suggesting people should put a pound on him becoming the leader of the opposition. Um, I, like I said, I was glad I didn't put that pound on, because I'd now put a pound on them having less than less than ten seats. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, well, you cry about it, because their big picture was that they're the only party which still opposes Brexit. And they are saying in the manifesto that they will offer a second referendum on uh, the Brexit deal once it's negotiated. And that would include the option of just staying in the EU. But I think the problem is people don't want a second referendum. Even people who oppose Brexit just do not want any more referendums. Well, I don't know about that, right? Because we have had this analysis
0: this week that you'll have seen about... um, There's no such thing as the 48%. There is 48% of people who are hard leave. There is roughly 24% of people who are hard remain. And then there's other 24 25% who were remain but have now accepted the result of the referendum but and you know the right wing press are suggesting that somehow this means there's you know 75% of people want to leave but that's not true the 24% of what they call relievers which I don't even know what that's supposed to sound like do want to remain and if somebody turned around and said to them we're staying in they'd be delighted they're not leave us right so this idea that tim farron has only got a 24 of the population to work with isn't quite true is that
2: fair to say yeah i would i mean i I would agree that if they were told that actually the majority of the country wants to remain in the eu they would probably agree i think the thing is it comes down to this democrat idea of a democratic decision which has been hammered home by yeah. two out of the three of the main parties. And I heard someone say that today. I was in the, um, a sheltered housing in Vauxhall and most people there voted to leave. And this one guy said, I voted to remain. Um, yes. And then he said, I think it's daft and I think everyone's going down the toilet. And then they said, Are you? would you like to stay in now? He's like, no, no, the vote's been had. It's settled. We're moving on. Yeah. But, but equally, I think if someone was like, oh, we're staying in the EU, he'd probably be like, great, you know. Yeah. He, didn't, he hadn't changed his mind about what was better for his country.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was listening to uh, an interesting podcast, it was, um, it was a couple of weeks out Dave. day, but it was Adam Buxton interviewing Bridget Christie, the comedian, and she made the point that it's not democratic if it's based on lies, and there was a, quite a good case that the Brexit case
2: was just making up nonsense, right? I think the thing is that we can't really find out whether it is or not until we actually leave, because the, <laughs> yes. the argument... You know, Project Fear seems to have been completely undermined. And I think in a way people said, Well, this didn't come true on day one, therefore yeah. you guys are the ones that lie. Actually, inflation went up yesterday. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nervousness around the economy, but when what, nine months on now? Yeah. Almost a year on from yeah votes, So I
1: think you were reason sort of why I-, I voted to remain that you can't complain in a referendum. People do their utmost to convince people to vote the way they want them to vote. I mean, it's uh, it's politics. People always exaggerate a bit. It's just the way it is. No, no, no. I don't. I don't buy that. I don't buy this um, nonsense about oh, politicians are all liars. They're not.
0: They're not no, people. no.
1: But they 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 make the argument to, to fit. Like, okay, yeah, they try to convince people, and that's what happened. It, it still wasn't. You can't point to things that were said and say, well, that was just a blatant lie. I mean... Or can. Oh. That bus that said, we'll give everybody the moon on a stick if we leave Hello. the EU. Hello. That Hi. was a
0: nonsense. Talking and editing, talking and editing. Right, we're joined by uh, Martha Gill, co-founder of The Spoon. We'll explain what The Spoon is later on. It sounds really weird right now. But this will make you listen to the end of the podcast to find out what the spoon is. Anyway, Martha also wrote a piece about the Lib Dems for Prospect magazine, right? Yeah. Um, we're just discussing where has it all gone wrong for the Lib Dems? It's not going anywhere, is it?
3: Yeah, so, so my theory is that, that what they're doing is concentrating too hard on their former heartlands in the southwest, um, which is kind of a really key part of their strategy. Um, but what they're having to do there, because most, because most of those areas voted to leave, is to sort of forget about yeah. Brexit and talk about things like the NHS and, and sort of austerity. They're talking about austerity there. I went, I went doorstepping with some of them and, and they only bring up Brexit if it's mentioned on the doorstep. And I think this is a big mistake yeah, because out, 16 million people voted to remain. Yeah. Uh, all those if, if you know because someone could capture that remain vote you know they'd win with the biggest landslide uh, bigger than Tony Blair if that, if that was possible but, but 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 instead what they're doing is they're kind of you know fa- um, early on in, when the elections was first called to and Farron said um, I'm a bit of a Eurosceptic so so what, yeah. what are they doing they're the part they should be the party of remain pushing it really really hard and they're just not doing it
0: and mainly what's stuck is that he's a bit gay sceptic as well. That's, that's the main <laughs> problem for Tim Barron, isn't it? That's, that's the problem. Yeah,
3: is that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that really something which people are worried about beyond Westminster? I mean, it's clearly he didn't really mean it, did he? He went Why back not? on it. Yeah,
0: the problem is the coverage, isn't it? But we'll come on to coverage right, later yes. on, right? Let's talk about coverage later on. Where the Lib Dems are going to do well is Scotland, mm. right?
1: Really? Yes. Well, people keep talking about
0: Lib Dems being rubbish uh, at the moment but they're going to after Carmichael will be returned in Orkney and Shetland yeah, because right. as an SNP person said to me the rocks will melt before the Orkney and Shetland don't but return that, to Lib Dem a if,
2: but surely they
0: will also pick up at least one islands. of Eastern Bartonshire or Edinburgh West we so get at least one of them and they've got their tails up in uh, North East Fife where Stephen Getthins is the MP and he's like a really good MP so they will surely end up with at least two scottish mp's
2: that's a hundred percent increase i guess um when i was looking at scottish constituencies of interest this was right at the start yeah i remember looking at um edmer west and at that point i don't think a lib dem had even stood for the seat and uh, oh, it yeah, seemed to me that <laughs> Do you want to retract that one
0: it's yeah, well it's christine jardine who used to be a, a spad the scottish lib dem spad yeah. she's um yeah.
1: She's a person, she's a person, let's leave it at that.
0: She might be, she might be working in Westminster in a few weeks, so i better not say any more than that.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but they I do guess, have a candidate.
2: I mean, I'm, I have to say, I don't know, I'm from Edinburgh, I don't know Edinburgh, South, Edinburgh West that well, but my impression of it was that was the bastion of private school. um so the zoo the Yeah, with all the massive houses. I, mean, I know that the animals
0: don't get to vote, but yeah, that's... Terrible.
2: Uh, let's just say, my only family friend who was a lawyer who sent his kids to private school lived in Edinburgh West. And my idea of Edinburgh West, and I might be completely wrong because I haven't looked at all the demographics, is that if there was a part of Edinburgh that could book Tory, okay. that might be the first to go. I think the
0: Tories will do well there? Um, Tories are going to do quite well in Scotland, but they are going to be well beaten by the SNP. Yeah. Right? This talk of a Tory surge in Scotland, what's it going to amount to? Give me a number.
2: I've heard everything from about five to twelve and I would probably say about six maximum. Yeah.
0: I can't i struggle to get above five or six.
2: Yeah. Tories
0: are talking up with him at like fifteen, but I don't yeah. understand why. I mean that seems like bad expectation management, isn't it? To go around saying, We're in fifteen and then you only get five and everyone lapsing.
2: Yeah, I mean I think we've talked about the seats that we already see as being ones which is, we talked before the podcast about East Renfrewshire possibly yeah. and um, Berwickshire. Um, I can never BRS. remember all of them. Yeah, Sounds BRS like a, sounds and like a really cool that.
0: band, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: And uh, I mean, people talk about... WAK. Maybe I'll eat my words, but people were talking about Edinburgh South, and I just I just can't imagine... You could... You yeah, know, Murray's doing...
0: Could according to a, a, a yeah. dodgy poll, and heaven knows I'm not a big fan yeah. of polls, Ian Murray's looking quite safe there at the moment.
2: I think Ian Murray will be quite safe, because I think a lot of people who vote Tory are doing it because... Ian Murray's not union. like a Jeremy Corbyn no. crazy Labour I mean so I Ian it. Murray's constituency office is painted green and it's got a, you know a Westminster symbol port colour yeah. symbol and it doesn't even really say Labour on it it just says Ian Murray
0: yeah you'll be alright um, but the SNP are going to be the, the big winners in Scotland
2: but it's yeah. a
0: strange election I mean I don't know if I know you don't pay any attention to the SNP John, when no. you can make, do Mickey Uppy polls to get you lots of clicks I don't know if uh, this covers your uh, radar Martha, but Nicola Sturgeon has been defending her record on education a lot now, that's not up for grabs at this election, it seems weird that was up for grabs last year and this year she's found herself on the back foot, having to defend her record on education, which is is poor (laughs) um, uh, undoubtedly Um, how has this happened? it feels, I don't subscribe to Pete and that has necessarily passed, but they are definitely having their worst most difficult campaign in a long time yeah
2: yeah and it's strange because you just look <laughs> back to March when everyone was saying Nicola Sturgeon is, you know catching everyone by surprise yeah has the initiative I think um, the education is a slow burning thing that has been mentioned a lot and I suppose it's not that surprising that it's come up again because I mean it's, it's such a emotional thing for a lot of people in Scotland their identity is yeah. a very strong educational regime and yes. I went yeah.
0: to Scotland invented education for goodness
2: sake and I went to Finland um, about six months ago to learn about early years education in Finland. And actually, Scotland has copied a lot of that. And Why it, you know, would you
0: come back from Finland? It's amazing.
2: It's quite cold and boring.
0: Oh, it's not boring.
2: They're all crazy, Finns, aren't huh? they? The ones that I met just talked to me a lot about early years education.
0: Oh, I think you're, well, you've met the wrong ones.
2: Yeah, I, my editor went there recently, went to the same island that I went to and met. An island? There's an island know, I, I didn't even know I Finland came. had islands. There's an island, and the best bit is it's an open prison, which I didn't realise when I went there and took photos for an afternoon. But my uh, my (laughs) colleague went there and met met one of the prisoners who was having quite a nice time on this island that I chose to go to for tourism reasons. Um,
0: I went to Helsinki a long time ago, Mm -hmm. and um, I was walking around the city, and all these people ran up and started taking their clothes off. It was amazing. Actually, like twenty years ago, I was nineteen, twenty, like just like about. Forty people ran up and started taking their clothes when off. I was, uh, when I was there,
2: everyone was dressed in themed costumes. Though. Yeah, yeah, you yeah mentioned that. and then we like walked that.
0: all around Helsinki. Yeah. went to the Olympic Stadium, came back to this big park at the end of the day, and another forty, or maybe the same forty people came up and started taking their clothes off again.
3: Oh. To bring this oh, back, to know, like it's like not like you both had sort of drug dreams in <laughs> the same location. Well, to bring this other back, all the more reason to go to Helsinki. It's, a place it's where good. the
2: newest clubs are really struggling to find members.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs>
2: Think that Good link. I feel a bit sorry for the SNP on education in a way because they have actually tried to copy one of the world-leading systems and it just hasn't worked. And yeah. Yeah. it's now... It is a big issue if your kids are at school and they're not getting yeah, the marks terrible. of the older sisters yeah. and brothers. Got. Irony
0: is, of course, that the greatest education, educational thinker of our time is a Scot. Mr Michael Gove, of course. The man who has transformed the English education system, right?
2: There are a lot of secret Scottish banks of tears when you've it. to. To be fair,
0: Gove. I mean, yeah, you know, I could think of lots of words to talk about Gove, but the English education system is better post Gove than it was pre Gove,
3: right? Yeah, I mean, I think he—he's one of the few politicians who actually had a vision for his brief, right? Well, yes, (laughs) and he—he annoyed everyone at the time. Everyone get, all teachers get annoyed every time you change the curriculum yes. it's a massive hassle I remember yeah. it, was, it was changed halfway through my GCSE it's really annoying but, um, but yeah I agree I think I he think, I think was broadly right in a lot of what he said and now of course we've got um, anti-thinking in the education department and we're going back to grammar schools which, for which there was no evidence.
0: indeed sweet work let's go on to the Tories from grammar schools that, that's a link that's a link we'll have that um, the Tories week well today we've had Boris being offensive to Sikhs, yes. and Theresa May met a voter. That went well, didn't
1: it? <laughs> Theresa May got thoroughly uh, told off and it was filmed being told off by a woman who had... Did um, she Did she get thoroughly told off? Yeah, I think she did. I mean, she uh, held her ground. She tried to argue her she case. She was no Tim Farad. No. Um, deliver, uh, it was quite dramatic footage. I mean, it wasn't the worst instance in the world, but it went viral. It went viral on Twitter.
2: It's a good point that actually, how many times has Theresa May been told off? Because a lot of times, I mean her constituency is fairly safe. Yes. She's probably quite scary for her colleagues.
0: Yes, and indeed for small children, because she was also filmed at school. Where she told a child that she'd read all the Harry Potter books.
1: She did, yes. In Birmingham, in Wolverhampton. I think.
0: Do we believe she's read all the Harry Potter books? she said she did. That I believe it. she has. She's yeah.
3: exactly the kind of person who no. wouldn't read any literature apart from maybe the Harry Potter books. Right. Like,
0: kind of are of you book. suggesting people who read Harry Potter books or something? Is something wrong with them. Uh.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh no, wait, they're
0: really good. Have you read <laughs> no, the Harry but Potter she,
3: books? Um. I. I mean. Have you yes, read the Harry I Potter have, books? But that. That's, that. was like that, a Theresa uh, May Which read one's the fourth one? Oh God, I can't remember. Does it have a.? That's a Does 20. it have like the prison of, of okay. Helsinki in it? What do anyway? you believe
2: more? Theresa no, uh, May reading Harry Potter or Gordon Brown listening to the Arctic Monkeys? <laughs> 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 oh, well,
0: that's not a fair I comparison. Believe is it?
3: I believe she's read them, but I don't believe she, I right. believe she sort of read them and like maybe some sort of. Uh, Sort of summer thriller reads.
0: No, because like you, she couldn't name the fourth one. She was talking to a little boy. He said, "I'm on the fourth one," and she went, "I've read them all." Any normal person. Any normal person would go. No, it's not Order of the Phoenix. Any normal person would go. Oh, that's Goblet of Fire. That's a good one, isn't it? Because that's when when Voldemort gets his human form and all that sort of stuff. That's
3: the best one.
0: No, Prisoner of Azkaban's the best one.
3: Okay, maybe she's read them. Oh, come on.
0: This is but no not wrong.
3: five times like, I like, like you, like you well, That
0: was a long time ago, but I know which one's which. Hang on, I just have need to got, go back Have here. you got like,
3: all the costumes and stuff as well? No,
0: no, no, no. I'm, I'm not a big fan, I just, the books are really good. But I do need to go back to this suggestion that Prisoner of Azkaban is not the best. Everyone knows Prisoner of Azkaban. Can we talk
2: about metaphors for 2017 UK politics? No, no, we need, to get, we,
0: need to just, we need to just accept that Prisoner of Azkaban is <laughs> the best Harry Potter.
2: Right, the third one,
0: it's not massive like all the rest.
2: I can't believe this. Okay, can this is the most radical
0: thing I've heard all election campaign. The thing
2: about the Goblet of Fire is it just has everything. It's quite epic. It's, it's
0: too got, long. It's
2: got the Quidditch
0: final. In the Quidditch World Cup. That's it's just kind it. it's, it's, it's kind like like a a, of it's got horrible Bulgarian man.
3: It's got It's sort of it's sort of a detour from the plot, isn't it? In the way that because it's sort of an but event. It hasn't got Dementors. Well, okay,
2: which, which Harry Potter book are we in now? In terms of UK politics. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's an excellent question. Well, order of the Phoenix because it's boring. Right? <laughs> is that, Which that's, one's that again?
0: That's, that's the one where nothing happens. There's this a big fight a, in the Ministry of, the of Magic one. at the end. This isn't no. a boring time in uh, British politics. I think, yeah, that's number five. I think
2: we're in the one where everything falls apart, which is the one where Harry Half-Blood has Prince. an existential. we about the one
3: after that. I think we want the one after everything falls apart. Isn't that the last one?
0: Last uh, one is. Oh, what's the last one called? Oh, no. ah. I've got all Theresa May. Prince. Half-Blood Prince is the second last one. Isn't it the
1: Deathly Hallows? Yes, yes. Deathly yeah. Hallows. as well, We're done, in John. Hallows, yes. You're the
0: coolest person here. You know <laughs> it. I don't believe Theresa May's read the Harry Potter book. Either that or I she's terrible them. at dealing I with children, them which that clip I, did suggest. I, was a mass,
2: I mean, I was one of the first ever Harry Potter readers, and I couldn't remember which order the last three books went in, just now, That's because they all get really
0: big and boring at the end, don't they? Think that's why Azkaban's the best one. Um, anyway, right, the other diversion. I, I'm not buying this, this uh, um, Harry Potter I wanna, I claim. I want to take of, issue
1: of with your uh, suggestion that this is a boring time in British politics. I think all right, is, uh, yeah. Fascinating time. We've seen Theresa May trying to remake the Conservative Party as uh, the Workers' Party, adopting some fairly left wing ideas like uh, energy caps. When Ed Miliband proposed that, that was seen as a a loony left idea. Now the Tories are doing it, or they're doing a a watered down version of it at least. And we're seeing the Labour Party facing a sort of existential crisis. I don't think this election. Is what's going to destroy Labour, but the way that they respond after the election, whether they right, can get their act together, I, be
0: more interesting. I, I take your point entirely. Oh. Um, I was put on the spot; I had to come up with a Harry Potter <laughs> book off the top of my head. Um, but let's let's pursue that in terms of how interesting or otherwise it is, because let's discuss the spoon.
1: Oh. what is? Yes,
0: because I want to talk about the media coverage mm-hmm. and. The people who say it is boring and are really snarky all the time. Explain to us what the spoon is, first of all, Mark.
3: The spoon is a, a morning email um, which takes the kind of the stories that you might hear about in the office if you don't work in politics um, and to all sort of vaguely be aware of. Uh, it takes the sort of the four main stories that you, you sort of should know about. Um, and puts them in a kind of an easy, break downable form, and it's neutral. Um, it's not politically biased. I mean, it's, it's a sort of hermetically sealed environment where no fake news can get in, um, and it's sort of meant to be for people who aren't. Who aren't, don't work in politics sort of follow the news a bit, just want want to be uh, well informed about what's going on. Is it's it, not just politics. I is think.
0: it for millennials?
3: I mean, yes, of course. It's. I guess at we're sort of we're sort of aiming at people between the ages of 25 and 45. But but really, it's. So a
0: millennial? How old is it? We were discussing I, this before we started. How old is a millennial?
3: A millennial. Oh, I think millennials stop. At age 40. Yeah. They? Actually, okay. I yeah. Know. No, that sounds right. Because I know I just like, missed yeah. out,
0: and I'm just the wrong side of 40. So oh, okay. Go. I've fine. Just fine. Missed well, out this email
3: right. is, is for you. We'll let you. We'll let you in. Oh, we'll I'm, I'm already subscribe. signed up. <laughs> um,
0: do you know what spooning is?
3: Um, yeah. Because yeah, it says yeah, in I the did. email, invite
0: your friend to spoon. Yeah, I know. Now, if that I said to John, let's spoon. Yeah. I think he would yeah. say, I don't think we're in that sort of relationship.
3: It's a group effort. The email. I may not have agreed with that the particular advertising okay. campaign. Yeah. Uh, one of the people in the email does have a lot of friends that he wants to spin. I think, and that was, that appealed to him. But Who? but it's good, have, it's good to have. It's <laughs> four of you
0: involved. It's either Rupert Myers or what's his name, Bobby Friedman.
3: I tell you telling me? Is Bobby Friedman was. not in
0: Primal Scream? Is he not the man from Primal Scream? Is that not Bobby
2: Friedman?
3: What's his? I don't, oh, I don't know what Bobby you're Lesby.
0: talking Bobby about. Bobby one of the founders is called Bobby Friedman, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, okay, so it's obviously him because I, he just said it. Yes, and my spoon about. the private
2: eye column. Is there oh I yeah, guess? me and my spoon.
3: Um,
0: oh, I don't know. Oxoxts. I
1: had not of that. at all. Too late now. But yeah, the reason I want. I mean, why do you recommend spoon? By the way, I'm signed up, and it is You signed up about half an hour ago, John. No, no, I've been signed up since it first came out. One of the
0: reasons I do it's a morning newsletter.
3: Yeah
0: in hundreds
3: of morning newsletters. Ah, but this is different because, first of all, all the morning newsletters that you probably get are um, political, insider, gossip morning newsletters. That is true, Yeah. They're quite long. They're for people who are really on top of politics. Okay. Um, I mean, they're very good yeah. for people who want to stay informed who are kind of really in the loop. Yep. But our emails are for people who aren't really that... The majority of people... <laughs> um, okay. who aren't, who, aren't who, who, who don't care what Boris Johnson said to someone yeah. last night secretly or whatever I mean they, they just want to vaguely know what's going on um, okay. and, they can't, and they and they and yeah. they want to learn about it the fun yeah. way. So, yeah. and also our email isn't uh, driven by one person it's not sort of branded as one it, it's not yes. sort of promoting okay. a single journalist brand it's just yes. kind of done by all of us in the same kind of tone right.
0: okay unlike match all these red box whole wars War Room, War Zone, I don't know which one either. I would, I would recommend Stephen all of them Bush's best. Morning Call. It's very good,
3: but I, we're trying to do something
0: I would, if you do want to stay on top of things, and I'm not saying this just because Julia's here, I, we were discussing earlier that I did a very unscientific experiment as to which is the snarkiest and most anti-politician newsletter. Ah. And Stephen Bush's came out best at the time. This was a few weeks, this was before The Spoon, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> so I would recommend Stephen Bush's for analysis and just being nice about politics.
2: Fair to say? There's some great puns in the headlines
0: as well. Oh, I don't know if I agree with puns in headlines though because Paul War is the king of puns at headlines and his puns are like not actually that good. So <laughs> I just leave that to him uh, let him let him do, do the whole people punning say thing. say that but
3: I mean I think, I think Matt Chorley's email is actually quite good. I just like, oh. I just like the lead-in at the beginning. It's I quite, don't it's, like Matt It's incredibly well written and I find it sort of a gentle... It is well
0: written but it's also anti-politics, isn't it? He's always moaning about the election
1: and stuff.
2: You know, I'd, I'd like to jump in here and say I agree. I'm glad that you're bringing up this. Because I often get told by people they hate politics. And I'm like, I actually am probably the most pro-politician person, that you know? Because most politicians that I've met there are some exceptions, but most of them, I think, are actually pretty hardworking people exactly. that I want to swap jobs. For. And even Matt
0: Foley, obviously, last summer after Joe Cox was killed, it's all like, well, oh, politicians are all right." Actually, I hang out with them all the time, and they're quite nice. And then now he's gone back to, "Oh, we're halfway through the election. Oh, it's so tiresome." It's like, as I said in a tweet, it's like a football correspondent going, "Oh, we're halfway through the World Cup. It's rubbish. I wish it was over."
3: It doesn't make any. I make think politics. I think that's just. Get off, I think right think all else. all political journalists love political excitement and they love things going on and so they've got to kind of and also they're sort of friends with lots of politicians and and so they've got to mask all of this by being like a oh god it's so boring that my job is keeping me here and b Criticise all these people who they're sort of also kind of getting information from, etc. So it's sort of quite a difficult line to tread sometimes, isn't it?
0: And they're also. If
3: you're trying to identify people who. identify with uh, people who don't have the access that you do.
0: Present company accepted and all the rest of it, but they're also generally massive losers who aren't very cool, which is why they like politics and they've gone (laughs) into political journalism. And they think it's somehow cool to be snarky. And not really like politics, even though they do really like politics.
1: Redbox right? Redbox is funny. Matt Shawley is, is journalist. He's also a comedian. He's a sort of failed comedy. comedian. Yeah, well, yeah. failed. I mean, he's funny, is what I'm saying. I so in that s- sense, I think journalists
2: generally are people who didn't have a lot of friends at some point in school.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. It, it's. And, and, and has Matt Trulley ever appeared late in live at the
2: Edinburgh Festival?
0: No, I don't think he has. Is anybody here? Oh, yes. Hello. Let me tell oh, you. Oh, have them. you? Let me tell you, you about you? that. Yes, I have, actually. I've not told you about Did anyone set
2: up a fake website so they could get free access to all the gigs? <laughs> really? That nice was when... work.
0: At the Edinburgh Festival?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how many people were desperate. Oh, they give you loads
0: of free there. tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I
2: did review them, but well I done. gave them all five stars. Or something. Excellent work. Well done.
0: Um, yeah, I actually went on stage, but that's a different story. I'll tell you about that, I'll tell you about that another time. So I'm telling you, I have a question. Amongst the Corbynites, yeah. not too long ago. Are you going to do Jeremy Corbyn in the media?
1: No, well, uh, in a way I am. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Not too so long ago, the great bogeyman, the evil figure was Rupert Murdoch. Everybody hated Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, But now, amongst Jeremy Corbyn supporters, they've forgotten about Rupert Murdoch. The great hate figure is Laura Coonskoll. BBC. Yes. How did this happen to BBC political editor? How did it happen? It's she, a very nice woman as far as I can tell. It's a, it's a great villain now for the left.
0: Uh, I was at university with Laura Kingsburg. Right. She was very nice. Blame the SNP.
2: Yeah. That you're in? the exact same thing happened after the Scottish referendum.
0: SNP started it around the independence referendum. This monstering the BBC is this other Yeah. I would it's, suggest.
3: Yeah, it's because they, they symbolise kind of media neutrality and, and, and Corbyn slot. Don't think that they've got. They're yeah. doing their job properly. So they're not gonna so they're not gonna um, go after the right wing media because they think that the right wing media won't care whether they call them I mean, not yeah. neutral or not neutral. Admittedly when they made um, Boris Johnson calling Jeremy Corbyn
2: a whatever he called him a mugwump A mugwump the lead story on the Today programme in the morning yes, that, I, you know a lot of people who weren't Corbyn fans said to me that, that was ridiculous like, I don't care yeah. about that why is that top of
0: the news um, yeah has Corbyn had a hard time off the media I think he probably has actually I mean I'm not some Corbynista uh, conspiracy theorist but we've discussed his manifesto already and it's different and yet the focus has largely been on him and I appreciate That maybe affects whether people are going to vote for him or not,
1: more than the policies. But isn't it for journalists to rise above that? I think that when Jeremy Corbyn became leader, there was a tendency for the media to say, well, this guy is clearly an idiot. And then to act a bit surprised that not everybody agrees. Um, But there is an issue with the simple fact that most of his own MPs said they had no confidence in him. I mean, from that point in any normal leader would have gone. And it does, it, if all your own MPs are saying you're not up to the job, then that's bound to be reflected in the coverage that you receive. Okay. But
3: then I guess the, the Jeremy Corbyn's retort to that and, and the retort of his supporters were, well, the media influenced the opinion of his colleagues there. Like, they wanted to get rid of him yeah. because he'd become to- a toxic figure in the media and that influenced it and that fed into it. So yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: Well, speaking as the representative of the you know signed-up left-wing magazine. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I say to oh hang
0: like, on, no, you've had a protest. Yeah, we had this. There was like, cool, a protest outside <laughs> your offices. We were. We were um,
2: the demand was for thirty. All they were asking for was thirty pages of the magazine. <laughs> um, the
0: best bit that was the video of uh, your colleague standing around outside looking for muse mainly.
2: Yeah, and uh, offering some cookies that were refused because um, I mean we were joking. Capitalist cookies. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, if anyone criticizes the New Statesman and says, well, if you, if Jeremy Corbyn rang me up and said, I really want to give you a full pay, you know, I want to give you a huge op-ed on the website, would I run it? Of course I would run it. I would yeah. run it immediately. So, the problem is that that has never really come my way.
1: Yeah, it's a- and,
3: and
2: I have been to a lot of Jeremy Corbyn events over the last year.
1: Okay, but, but, very... should,
3: but should journalists um, try and compensate for the fact that Labour doesn't reach out to them as much as the Tories do, in order to give the parties balanced coverage? Well,
2: this is the thing: is that for us, yes, we, you know, I went to almost every Jeremy Corbyn event during the Labour leadership campaign, which was a lot. Yeah. Great times out of the office, and so, and. I, I actually, I don't think, if you look back on what I've written, I don't think you'll find very much that I've written that's critical of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, okay. I have, I don't. Strongly. I don't. With I don't well, <laughs> He's I a fanboy. I, I guess I feel that everyone else has written it for me. And yeah, I understand why people like him. So I've tried to look at other things like yeah. particular policies or um, more looking at why other people are upset with him. Yeah. And then, um, so I find the fact that we get labelled anti Corbyn. <laughs> quite bizarre. And sometimes I have to have, you know, I've had angry emails from people during the, the Labour leadership campaign, yeah. and they came across one article that I ran from one of her to most critical. And it said, <laughs> well, have you looked? And we've run pieces by Diane Abbott, we've run yeah. pieces by John McDonnell, um, yeah. and we've run this piece that says that everyone's biased against Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. I think yeah. the problem is that when online, we only tend to see one set yes. of art. And I did the same thing happen when I wrote about both sides of the Scottish referendum, um, extreme unionists and extreme. Oh yes, yeah. And yeah someone yeah. sent me an email saying I'm appalled you're so biased. And I said, Have you looked at the other article that I linked to?
0: Oh mm. well, yeah, but you made it difficult for them because he put it two different
1: articles. That's like really confusing and really both hard work. I didn't
2: Yeah, you click here and, and you can click on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. too confusing.
1: I think the Jeremy Corbyn supporters are unreasonable in their criticism of the media, but I think that hides the fact that the media have, have failed, generally speaking, in reporting on Mr. Corbyn and, and what's going on in the Labour Party. People haven't really yeah. tried to understand why he was so popular. They haven't tried to understand why. So many people on, on the left, English Labour members, activists, and the sort of people who joined Labour in 2015 were so angry at, at New Labour and everything that it achieved and everything that it stood for. Yeah, I um, think
0: you're right, absolutely. Yeah, I've got nothing more to add to that, John. That is very good analysis, well done. But uh, in a very, this isn't smooth at all. We're going to go from Jeremy Corbyn to Stupid Guy of the Week. have we got nominations for this week's uh, who was it last week I've forgotten who the stupid guy oh it was Barry Gardner last week so you can't have him this week
1: well I'm going to you've mentioned him already but I'm still going to choose him as my stupid guy of the week Uh, then the uh, oh, unite okay. leader, yeah. um, fresh <laughs> yeah. from uh, sabotaging Labour's attempt to win the West Midlands mayoral election, oh, he, yeah. uh, uh. turned against Labour's candidate. He's um, announced that it would be a, a victory or a success for Labour yeah. if they manage to win, was it 200 seats? 200 if they seats. lose, basically. Yeah. That's a, a big deal. Fair enough,
0: that's a good uh, good candidate. Anybody else got candidates for stupid guy of the week? Well,
2: this isn't original, but I thought I'd throw it in there for coverage's sake, because Donald Trump... Because, Ooh. I mean, I know that every week he does something stupid, but this week seems to have been particularly, odd, uh, inspiringly spectacular,
0: stupid. Spectacular, yes, with the whole, uh, I've got tapes. Like, <laughs> bring it on, Donald, you moron. We're laughing, it's terrifying, really, isn't it? The man is an idiot, and he's in charge of... All the nuclear weapons in the world.
2: I guess I think that in some ways he's got a lot of smart instincts and in the fact that he's managed to get himself into residency, but I also think that he's incredibly stupid in other ways, and this is yeah, one of the he weeks is when
0: not stupid psychologically things. suited to being the most powerful man in the world. I would like to nominate uh, a couple of possible nominations. James Heapy. The Tory MP who was discussing Scottish independence at a local school and told oh, the Scottish yes? girl in the class to F off back to her own country.
2: You've just reminded me of
1: a. Spectacular, come on.
2: A Tory ace who I just was reading on the way over here was um, boasting Ooh. about his execution at the time he gave advice on executions. Yeah. Uh,
1: Although
0: that
2: might not be stupid. That might strange be. Strange
0: thing to boast about, yeah. But the. Um, yeah, telling a schoolgirl to F off back to her own country is. Um, <laughs> possibly a sign of things to come uh, with under the next Tory government with uh, whatever we're going to do about EU nationals and all the rest of it. The other one, and I will debut my new jingle for the uh, liberal elite clans here.
3: Ow, my ben Brown. Yeah, I was about to suggest that but then I didn't want to malign a fellow journalist. Well, Ben
0: Brown is not a sex pest, let's put that on record.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, if you just look at what happened, though, it wasn't really stupid. Was it was just he was sort of trying to clear away this person. He was doing an interview in the, the street,
0: and this woman came up, and she was. Uh, she looked fairly fun, would that be fair to say? She sort of went, ah, fantastic. Are you saying she was drunk?
3: Mm, I don't know. But, um, you're saying that she. you sort of somehow implying that she deserved to be no, 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 sexually No, 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 not at all.
0: No. But he then moved her out of the way with his arm and put his hand on her boot to push her out of the way. What? Uh, this is uh, unfortunate, it's fair to say. What has concerned me about this, and this is where the liberal elite go off. goes off. <laughs> <Ow, my aunt. laughs> all the man journalists who've been sharing this on Twitter, like, ah, isn't this funny?
1: Well, no,
0: I don't think it is that funny. I mean, maybe I'm being a terribly humorless feminist about all this, but I couldn't help worry that
3: I just I didn't mean, think it he, was worth
0: sharing the way. It'd be a lot of men journalists sharing it, going, "Ah, look at this," and that oh concerned right. me slightly. But am I just well, being I a humanist?
3: I don't know. I haven't, ha, I haven't looked properly at what they were saying. But I guess there's potential to be sexist there. But I yeah, don't know. I, 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 a, I don't know whether or not there was any. All
0: right, I'm probably being a humanist. I, I have to let's admit, be honest.
3: I don't know. to me the whole thing sounds slightly
2: funny in a different way, and that. Politicians have to be so careful to be polite to the public. I know someone who's a politician who told me how a member of the public slapped her around the cheek so she couldn't do anything about it. So the fact that this journalist just cavalierly is barging into
0: people. Who was was the the MP for Brian Donohoe, wasn't it, who lost at the last election and said, it's brilliant, now I can tell members of the public to F off when they come up (laughs) to me in the street. (laughs) And in a few weeks' time, there will be a number of... uh, number of MPs will be given that similar freedom let's be honest is
2: this a good time to remember the fight on um, Brighton it was in Brighton wasn't it with Ian Dale Ian Dale oh, and the, was it, the
0: nuclear dog or something yeah <laughs> It was, it was the anti-nucle- an anti-nuclear character yeah. wasn't he and he has a little dog that wears a nuclear bomb and Ian Dale fought him
2: yeah on it was camera. Damien
0: McBride as well yeah. Damien McBride was being interviewed yeah um, well like I say in a few weeks time there will be a number of MPs mainly Labour MPs who will be able to tell Uh, members of the public to F off uh, freely I will uh, draw this lengthy podcast to a close here on that humorless feminist sweary dogfighting moment (laughs) and say thank you to uh, Julia to Martha to John and tune in next week for another one of these from Catford we're going to Catford next week John yes I'm looking forward to it. we're hopefully going to be in the the beer garden of the Catford Constitutional Club so if you're in the area please join us in the meantime, get in touch. I am at political yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on email. Somebody did send me an email today. A fan sent me an email. It was lovely. I'll give him a promise shout out next week. Or you can see all my stuff uh, on james-miller.com,
1: which is my website. Uh, yeah, tune in next week for another election special from the pub. Thank you.